All right. Welcome to another edition here of Chop Shop Sports. This is Brian, joined by Jason. And we're talking here the uh, top five games to watch here in week one of the college football season. Jason, what'd you take away here from uh, week zero? There weren't really a lot of big games to kind of single out. Yeah, a bunch of snoozers. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm more anticip- in a waiting in anticipation for week one here. Uh, nothing stood out too much. Uh, I know you're real happy about a victory over Duquesne for Florida State, <laughs> you know, a real rousing Duquesne team. Listen, uh, as a Florida State fan, I think that was the first win they've had in opening week since 2016. And previously, they've almost lost to Samford. They've almost lost to Louisiana Monroe, and they did lose to Jacksonville State. So them beating Duquesne by 40 points was a big accomplishment compared to how the last few years have gone. Um, Good day right. for you then. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to roll with it. Um, all right, we're rolling here to week one. We've got a lot of good games coming up, a few of them that we're not going to mention today because we're going to be focusing on the top five. And, Jason, we're t- these not, aren't necessarily in order. So we're just going to kind of go through these, and we're going to start with your team, the Florida Gators, taking on number seven, Utah. And I believe this game is going to be in Gainesville, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this is Florida's home opener. And uh, while Florida's unranked and un- untested with this new set, um, a few interesting things to keep in mind here. Uh, Vegas odds right now has Utah, who was last year's Pac-10 champion, uh, and as only a two and a half point favorite, ranked number seven in the number seven in the country, I guess up the favorite. Yeah, that's kind of nuts too, especially especially with a brand new coach coming in. What is what's your take there as far as Billy Napier and the staff that he's put together? What what are you kind of expecting from this team early on? Uh, honestly, I think we're going to see uh, an interesting show of force. Uh, you know, previous coaching staff had, uh, you know, I had my qualms with them. Uh, a, a big thing about Dan Mullen and his coaching staff was it didn't matter talent a lot of the times. He would always play seniority over talent. And – you know, that became more and more apparent as his tenure went on. Uh, and it irritated a lot of people, ruffled a lot of feathers. I don't think we'll see that same effect here. Um, Anthony Richardson, he should be the starter at the gate. Uh, you know, Dark Horse candidate, we don't really know what to expect from him, honestly. He's a crazy good athlete. Hasn't thrown a lot of passes, but he has completed the ones he has. Um, low in completion rate. You know, stellar athlete. He'll run the ball a lot. Uh, he could be a serious X factor in this. Um, the the other the other angle I want to come at this from too is since this game is, I love. I just want to point this out. I love that this is in Gainesville. I don't like. I've said it many times. I don't like the neutral site games. I like games being played on campus, in front of a hostile environment. You being a graduate of the university of Florida. What is it like going into the swamp? Oh, it's, I don't think uh, Utah did enough preparation. I, I heard they did a little special preparation, tried to up the humidity in their, 
training facility, <laughs> tried to, yeah. you know, use some speakers to imitate, you know, how loud it gets in the swamp. Uh, they won't be ready. Billy Napier has been encouraging the crowd to come out early and often for this home opener. Uh, it's going to get wild. It's going to be hot. It's going to be something that uh, these youths are not ready for. Uh, so I'm hoping that can work to Florida's advantage. You know, like I said, it's still kind of a complete mystery how the season will unfold. I like what the staff is doing, but, you know, as far as performance and expectations, uh, I'm ready to be disappointed again. Uh, so I'm going to try and keep a pretty uh, normal expectation. I don't want to ride the hype and get too excited about this year. So riding that, you know, trying to avoid riding that hype as we look at this week one matchup, what's your prediction for this game? I say, unfortunately, Utah pulls it out. The spread is probably a little better. That They definitely beat the spread of two and a half. Um, I do say it's closer than I think anyone would imagine. That's, you know, a real Florida fan. I'd say the expectation optimistically is – we lose by a score, but we make it interesting. You know, we lose by seven, uh, but we make it interesting, and we make it we make it hard for uh, Utah. That's that's what my real expectation is. Um, you know, if I'm, we win, I'm... if we win, that is uh, probably the biggest win they'll have the entire year. I have low expectations, so if they win this home opener, which I'll, I'll also uh, let our listeners know, this is Florida's home opener streak that they have the longest standing home opener streak since 1990 of 32 straight games. So to win this one and carry on the streak would be probably the, will be to this point, clearly the biggest win of Billy Napier's career, (laughs) Uh, especially at Florida. You're saying, you're saying they've won 32 straight home openers. Yes. They have the longest standing FBS streak. All right. All right. So they got some pressure there to uphold that one. I'm actually, I'm right there with you. I, I think, Utah is significantly better right now going into week one. But when you factor in all the hype built around Billy Napier's, you know, arrival, kind of a rejuvenation of that program, and it's in the swamp, I think Florida is going to keep this within a one-score game. I I think Utah wins by seven. I don't think they run away with it. I think this is actually a really close game, but Utah's talent will kind of pull away at the end. Um and you know I hate Florida, and that pains me to say anything nice about them. And you know I'm going to be rooting for Utah to win by 40. But yeah. realistically, realistically, I think Florida's got enough talent, and it's in the swamp. They're going to keep this a one-score game for, for I think, four quarters. Um, it, it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, you know, Utah's returning quarterback and running back duo. They Ohio State fits in the Rose Bowl. They put up big numbers last year. That duo's returning. Um We'll see how the Florida defense fares against them. Rolling on to our second game here of week one, we're looking at uh, a team that was in the playoffs last year, the first non-Power 5 team to make the college football playoff, and that's the Cincinnati Bearcats going against another AC, uh, I'm sorry, SEC team in the Arkansas Razorbacks that have them going into the season. They had a surprise year last year, and now they've start, they're starting out, I think, ranked in the top 20 at uh, – is that 19, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, 19. It's a 19-23 matchup. I, I like this a lot. I think this is going to be really fun. 
we're going to have to see how Cincinnati responds after losing Sauce Gardner on the defense, after losing um, their quarterback. Why am I drawing a blank on his name right now? What Desmond was... Ritter. They're losing Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Ritter. I was about to call him the Riddler. Uh, Desmond Ritter. So it's they've lost some talent, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this team does, to see if it was a, a fluke one-time thing or if there is a sustainable program being built there in Cincinnati. Uh, what are you looking at in this one? Big SEC fan. Obviously, I follow every team week in and week out. Uh, as far as Arkansas goes, the show will be centered around K.J. Jefferson. He is going to be more than likely the best player on the field at all times. We'll see definitely a lot of running from him. Uh, we'll definitely see, you know, what he has in the tank. They lost their their big target uh, to the draft, Traylon Burks. Yeah. Who's, who's going to step up, next man up? I'll be interested to see, you know, who their main target is this year. Um, but just know that, you know, the entire plan of attack is going to be centered around KJ. Yeah. And I, I think I think the big difference in this matchup is going to be it's it's going to be how the quarterback play kind of plays out. How does Cincinnati respond after losing Desmond Ritter? I am not as optimistic that Cincinnati is going to continue the level of play that they've had last year. I think they'll do it in their conference, but I don't see them coming coming into Week One and taking down an SEC opponent that's ranked in the top twenty. Uh, I think I have Cincinnati losing this one to Arkansas by three points. Yeah, the spread on this one is six and a half points in favor of Arkansas. Uh, I see them covering the spread. Uh, I say Arkansas by 10. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. I, I'm i just – I'm scared. Maybe it's my hatred of UCF. Yeah. And this self-proclaiming national championships and – they've made me hate the idea of adding a team into the college football playoff that's not a power five because it just because it makes me think of UCF and I I can't stand that fan base um all right moving on here this is this is a lot of fun here this is uh number 11 Oregon taking on number three Georgia what are you looking at in this one here as this is a uh Pac-12 versus SEC matchup You have your new starting quarterback, former Auburn quarterback transfer, Bo Nix. Honestly, we'll see if this is the right fit for him. Uh, Under this coaching staff and this program, uh, who's to say how successful he is this year? You know, he was a good talent at Auburn, but I don't think he was in the right system or had the right fit. Um, Auburn was kind of in some lulled years, uh, and unfortunately for him, Maybe if he has a little more little speed, a little more talent around him, we'll see how that plays out for him. Uh, the other thing I'm going to pay attention to is the quarterback on the other side, Stetson Bennett, coming back to play another year. Is he going to be the same as we saw in previous years? Is he going to be a game manager? Or is he really going to you know, fill the shoes of the leader on the team? Is he going to step up his game and be more than just that game manager? Yeah, and that's a good point. And, you know, it's kind of funny because these storylines play out. You know, you can't really script them any better. It's uh, former Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lenning, his first game as the head coach at Oregon, uh, leaving after last year's uh, championship run. It'll be interesting. Like you said, I think Stetson Bennett, a lot of it's going to ride on him. 
he has to continue to play at that game manager level at least, especially with all the talent that Georgia lost in the draft. Now with these recruiting classes that Kirby Smart's just pumping talent year after that Georgia program. But you really need Stetson Bennett to step up and continue to play great. Um, do we know where this game's being played? Is this another one of those big neutral site games, or is this uh, is this being played in Athens? No, this should be in Georgia. This should be a home game for Georgia, uh, if I am correct on that one. I am looking it up as we speak. I think I really would be happy if it is. Let's see. Yeah, it's in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Oh, it's in Atlanta. Might as well be. A, it's, it's a home game. I know, but play it play it in Athens, damn it. Why? why? Well, I, there's your that's answer. just one of my – that's one of my big pet peeves is I, I just hate it. There's another we talking about that, like, why not just play it at the home stadium if you're going to play 30 minutes away from there? <laughs> but, with, you know, regardless, give me <laughs> give me your pick here for, for this matchup. Uh, a couple things will go into this. Uh, we'll see who the next man up for the, is for the Georgia defense. You know, they lost leadership at middle linebacker. They lost some big defensive linemen. Uh, they lost, you know, really the core of that defense. So we'll see who steps up. I think if we get some people to fill in the shoes, even half as good as the guys who left, uh, I'd say Oregon has to play a perfect game to even make this, you know, competitive. Uh, they can win this, but they have to execute perfect. With Georgia being a 17-point favorite, I think, you know, I think they'll definitely cover that spread. Uh, I'm guess is three scores. Georgia. By how much? Did, I think you cut off there. What did you? What did you? Uh, what did you call there? Uh, Georgia is a 17 point Vegas favorite. Uh, I'm not totally sure if they'll cover that spread. I do see them winning by at least two scores, though. So. My my vote is Georgia by fourteen. Okay, I I can see that as well. I, I see that as well. I think that uh, it's tough for a first year head coach trying to implement his system. He's not playing with his you know really with a full recruiting class yet. Trying to go and play Georgia at what is basically a home game for them in Atlanta. Um, I have Georgia. I have Georgia winning exactly by seventeen, right there at the spread number. Um, however, I will say that even though I'm predicting that. I think that's an incredible spread for teams that are just eight eight spots apart in the top 25. And it almost proves a point that the top 25 is meaningless and there's no real reason behind it because Vegas has one team just annihilating the other. So it's not like this is one versus 25, you know. Um, and that's actually something we're going to talk about here in this very next game where the spread is so absurd. And that is Notre Dame, number five, Notre Dame, versus number three, or I'm sorry, number two, Ohio State. So number five, Notre Dame, versus number two, Ohio State. My math isn't great, but that's only a difference of three. And the odds makers have Ohio State favored by 17 points. What do you make of that? What does that tell you? That tells us that anyone outside those top four teams there is such a gulf between four and two five that 
that even matter? How does it outside those top four? If you're number five and you're not even within, you know, a one score, you know, difference uh, in favorability, how how is that even? How does that even make sense? How are you ranking these teams? Yeah, it, it's absurd. I mean, a three score difference going into week one between the fifth ranked team and the second ranked team is it's insane. And it just goes to show you what has become a big problem in college football. Really, since the college football playoff has taken effect, it's also coincided a little bit with Nick Saban's run at Alabama. But if you're not Alabama, if you're not Ohio State, if you're not Georgia, and at other times Clemson or uh, really Clemson, it kind of ends there. If you're not one of those four programs, no one expects anything from you. And that's something where college football has kind of hurt a little bit. It was better when there were seven, eight, nine teams that you think, yeah, these teams could really compete for a championship. Right now going into a season, we look at these teams, we're really looking at like two or three. And if it's not those two or three, then we're just absolutely shocked. But, I mean, a 17-point spread is insane for a matchup like this. I I am really interested to see. I think C.J. Stroud, in my opinion, I'm a big NFL guy. I do love watching these young college quarterbacks. I think he is the best pro prospect coming into next year's NFL draft. I'm really excited to see how he performs against a Notre Dame defense that did lose Kyle Hamilton in the draft. What do you think here? Can you tell me where this is being played as well? I should have looked at these before before we did this. But I'm just curious because I have such a vendetta against neutral site games. This is uh, Ohio Stadium in Columbus. Wonderful. Okay, good. And 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 while I might add, with all this conference realignment going around, I hope Notre Dame ends up in the Big Ten because I would love to see more matchups with Ohio State and Michigan State and Penn State and Michigan, uh, along with USC, who will be joining them in the Big Ten uh, within the next year or two. Uh, but what what are you looking at in this game here between these two powerhouses? Uh, yeah, honestly, it's uh, it's really funny you mentioned about have two three teams that really could win it all uh how how does that differ from what we were looking at you know six seven years ago when there was no playoff it was about you know two or three teams that was all that mattered so how has the playoff really changed any of that the same I, format the format we have just you know perpetuates the same thing those top two or three teams have those certain expectations they either meet them or not they the season they automatically get their spot in the playoff, you know, preferential over, you know, any other team. So how is that any different? Uh, I digress. I digress. I'll answer your question. What am I expecting? Again, I'll match up all about CJ Stroud. Uh, we now have a, a true starter who's differentiating himself in camp as Tyler Buchner. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's coming out as a starter for Notre Dame. Uh, I don't have much, uh, you know, bringing, you know, the big stage. Uh, who's to say how this plays out? I would really say uh, at a 17-point favorite, things are leaning state's way. I am uh, – uh, so here's here's something that's going to sound contradictory to what we were talking about with the spread. 
but it's more about the uselessness of the top 25. There shouldn't even be a top 25 going into a season. You should just wait until week three or four to do this. I think Ohio State will win by 17. I think a lot of that has to do with you have the best quarterback in the country, give or take, depending on what your opinion is on Bryce Young at Bama. You have one of the two best quarterbacks in the country. You got one of the five best head coaches in the country. And you're at home going against a rookie head coach in Marcus Freeman. Notre Dame has no business being a top five team going into the preseason, in my opinion. However, I mean, everything. I do want to point out, you said that, you know, they should. I'm betting by four. I don't think Notre Dame is even going to make it for the game. Obliterate them. Yes. And, and, and that goes to my point about the top 25 is I think there are five or six teams within the top 10 that would give Ohio State a better game than what we're going to see from Notre Dame. Now, we can come back here next week and be completely wrong when we do our recap of week one. But going into this, I, I think there are going to be growing pains. I like Marcus Freeman a lot. I think that was a great hire by Notre Dame. I think with the cachet that that program has and the brand that it is, you get a recruiter. And a, and a coach that just has a great job of connecting with players, and he's a great X's and O guy, I think he's going to have a lot of success there. Maybe even more than Brian Kelly had. But I don't see that in week one. And I, I don't know how – I don't see it in year one. And I just don't understand the method behind these top 25s going into the season. It's like throwing it, – throwing, it's like playing, you know, pin the tail on the donkey when you're blindfolded. You don't know where you're going. So it's just it's it's odd to me how they do it. I think Notre Dame has no business being in the top five, and I think Ohio State will cover that seventeen point spread. All right, going oh, now to uh, how tough could that? that be? How how tough is that for rookie head coach Marcus Freeman, former Ohio State Buckeye, to go? Is a that's a anyway. It's tough. It's really tough, and it's tough because you know there's going to be a ton of recruits at that game, a ton of recruits. So it's it's going to be a tough look. I, I I don't expect much from Notre Dame, but again, I am high on where the, the direction of the program is going. I'm not high on week one against Ohio State by any means. Uh, all right, so we talked about with our first game your favorite program we're going to be talking about mine now um again another neutral site game that makes zero sense florida state and lsu playing in the superdome i don't understand why they're doing that baton Rouge is just a quick drive away from new orleans uh this this just goes again to my pet peeve with neutral site games i'm gonna i'm gonna beat a dead horse with that all year long but this is an exciting game. This is Brian Kelly's, you know, speaking of Notre Dame, Brian Kelly's first game at LSU. Uh, they're going to have a new quarterback playing, and we don't know which one because Brian Kelly won't say who's going to be starting. And then you got Florida State with Mike Norvell going into his third year. It's a big one because this is probably his last chance to turn this ship around for Florida State. I think for the program, I watch them religiously. It hurts me every week. For the past five years, I can't tell you how much I miss Jameis Winston. He, Mike Norvell's done a good job 
of stopping the free fall. He stabilized the program. The question now becomes, is he the guy to take them to the heights that they're accustomed to being at? I don't know. I'm not saying he's not, but he hasn't proven it yet. And this is kind of his year to prove it, or else they got this guy named Deion Sanders who's out there winning 10, 11 games a year with Jackson State and pulling more five-stars than Mike Norvell is at Florida State. So I think this is an exciting matchup. What are you looking at going into this one in the Bayou? That's pretty tough. Brian, as you know, Florida State and Florida, they have their ebbs and flows. You know, this could be your your Jim McElwain coach. Maybe you're not quite there. Maybe you have your Dan Mullen after this, and then you have your Billy Napier. So <laughs> I'm hoping, as a Florida fan, that that's how that plays out. You have some continued woes. Uh, but like you said, there there's a lot of accuracy in what you're saying. This is Norville's definitely his last chance to prove what he's been doing, change a culture, uh, and see – if he's the man for the job. Uh, the things that we've seen in the past, especially the last year, were Jordan Travis scrambling constantly every single play due to your O-line woes. Ron, do you have anything that's uh, – any updates as far as a, a true fan goes, as O-line progression, things like that? That has been your biggest fault to date, you know, year in and year out, besides several other things. But – Truly, the, the issue lies in the line. You're 100% right. The downfall of Florida, obviously culture, uh, but the offensive line has just fallen apart. Now, Alex Atkins, who's the uh, offensive co- coordinator now for Florida State, was the offensive line coach uh, before uh, Dillingham left for a head coaching job. So, or I'm sorry, not a head coaching job. He left to become the offensive coordinator at Oregon with Dan Lenning. So Alex Atkins was promoted now to the offensive coordinator position. He's one of the best recruiters in the country, and he's done a good job at utilizing the transfer portal to kind of bring in some guys that can play for him. Florida State's offensive line will be better. That is still the weak point of this program, though. And when I say better, we're talking average at best. So you really need a guy like Jordan Travis to compensate for that O-line. His mobility will help you extend plays because you're going to need to, especially against this LSU front seven. The real thing that's interesting is you're not going to be able to – Florida State against Duquesne ran for over 400 yards. They had three guys run for over 100 yards each. You're not doing that against LSU. So you got to be able to stretch the field and throw the football. Florida State's got a couple good receivers and Deuce Span and Johnny Wilson. I just don't know about Jordan Travis's ability to throw it to them more than 10 yards downfield. So that's I think that's really where it's going to come down to. Florida State's got to find defense. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and it's just going to come down to which offense can execute better, especially in the fourth quarter. And I just don't trust Florida State's offensive line. With that being we'll, said. We'll see how it goes. LSU is a three-point favorite right now. I would like to think that FSU isn't quite where they need to be. Uh, LSU has had their woes and, you know, without having a solid quarterback after Joe Burrow. Uh, We'll see if they have a game manager who can go in there or if they have a stud who's going to step up and really take the play here. 
that being said, uh, I'm going to have to go with LSU. I definitely think it's a close game, though. Uh, yeah. This could go either way. You know, we'll see how Norvell coaches. We'll see how we'll see how Brian Kelly era uh, begins. This could be a, a rough patch or uh, this could be the first flash of success we see. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I do have LSU winning this and I think three, which is the spread is the perfect number. I think it's low scoring. I think it'll be something along the lines of, you know, 24-21 or 17-14. I, I don't see either team scoring 28 or 30 points. Um, if you had asked me this last year, I would have said LSU by two touchdowns at least. At least. I think Florida State's improved enough to a point where they can be competitive against quality opponents. I just don't like see you that. Said, I, I Maybe at the end of the year. Maybe at the end of the year I could see them beating a Florida or a Miami, but right now I need to see it on the field before I, before I give them the, the nod over a team like LSU that I think still has a little bit more talent due to their recruiting success the last few years. Yeah. And they might be uh, kind of running over their limit on that. They might be relying on success of uh, years past and the more senior guys there, but who's to say uh, favor uh, history is on your side for this one, Brian, the last, the last meeting, which was the first meeting between LSU and FSU, was in 1991, and FSU came out victorious for that one. So history is on your side. As little we'll, history as there is, it's still on your side. We'll take it. We can't complain too much. We will take it. I miss Bobby Bowden. Um, all right. I mean, we're we're rolling now. This is fun because we got football. We got Thursday night football. We didn't even talk about Clemson playing on Monday night against uh, – who do they got Monday night? It's an ACC opponent, I believe. No, man, you think I pay too much attention to the ACC. I, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's the ACC. Let me look this up real quick. Clemson's playing, blah, 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 blah. Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech is kind of a sneaky team that, I don't know, upset alert. I'm not high on Clemson this year. So that not only affects the ACC, but the college football playoff hype. And we'll talk about this as the year goes on, but I actually don't have an ACC team making the playoff this year. So I, I'm expecting another step back from Clemson. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Jason, I appreciate your insight. While we're at it, before we hop off, don't forget to follow us here at Chop Shop Sports and Chop Shop Bets on Instagram, as well as Chop Shop Sports on Twitter and Chop Shop Sports on TikTok.